welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we are discussing our reactions to the first premiere episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, they are named A Vulcan Hello and Battle at the Binary Stars. And they just aired um, a day or two ago, depending on whether you have cable or streaming. And right off the top, we're just going to do like a lightning round, first impression, one sentence, five words. Kate, you go. I knew it. That is my reaction. I've been waiting to say that for many days now. Okay. Yours? This is different. Okay. Yep. I can see that. Yep. Do we do we want to talk about my I knew it now, or or do we want to save that for the end? Because uh, it, it happened at the end. Let's save it them both for the end. Okay. Okay. And we can expand a little more on it. Sounds good. Now, you put in this first thing here. I know, I know, because I wanted to talk a bit about the theme and narrative structure of the show. Mm-hmm. So, for the structure of the show. Um, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the shows yet, you should go watch them. I'm not going to do like a breakdown of everything that happened. So being familiar with the events will definitely help you follow along with the conversation. But also, we're not going to hold ourselves back. This is going to be full spoilers. Oh, yeah. But definitely yeah, yeah. watch the shows first. Absolutely. Um, so for a show that's titled Star Trek Discovery, the opening thing you see is Klingons. It is. I actually liked that, but that might be a... Because I'm new to the whole thing. Carry on. Well, but that that was one of my questions, was like, is this like a bold, fresh decision? Or does that whole thing feel like a bit of a misstep? Online, I'm seeing sort of both opinions. There's people who are like, you know, no, what did they do? What's wrong with this? And then there's people like, wow, I loved that. Um, so, okay, so here's m- where I'm coming from. My mm-hmm. biggest memory of Klingons is mm-hmm. whatever his name is in TNG, who's part of the crew. Worf. Worf. I wanted to say whatever Worf. His name- <laughs> and I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> they wouldn't name a character Worf. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, they didn't. Um, okay. And he was like a friend, right? Um, he was a cool dude. Right. Sure. Cool dude. That, that is literally the biggest memory of Klingons that I have. So with Klingons, I do know that Klingons are generally not good guys, but I don't have any personal experience with it. You know what okay. I mean? Yep. Um, so starting off with them being all mean and evil, for me, I'm just like, maybe we will see the journey of how they became to be, you know, tacit a little bit, not so evil. Oh, see, that's very interesting because... Is that covered somewhere else? Am I just being a total idiot here? No, no, this is new ground for Klingon history. Like, I'm definitely appreciating the fact that we are, like, filling in some backstory of the Klingons and their political, you know, a lot of the political background for how they got to a Cold War with Starfleet that we see in the original series. 
and through much of Next Generation. And so they're not exactly always evil guys throughout Next Generation, Mm -hmm. but they're also like a warrior race and warlike. Mm -hmm. And this, I think, is filling in some of their own internal struggles. And so I think that's interesting. But I also think, like, there's... When you come into a show where the title and the the history of the show gives you a certain concept, and then you give them an opening scene that is, well, completely alien to all of that. It's like, is this going to be like an, an interesting, compelling inversion of our expectations? Who are we meant to be... Um, you know, identifying with whose story is it that we're telling. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to play out throughout the rest of season one and th- the rest of the long run of the show, which, you know, I'm projecting a little bit there, but I- I'm really curious to see how it's going to play out. I am too, but most of what I'm curious about how playing out all comes about in the second episode, so I'll, I'll get there when I get there. As far okay. as the Klingons were concerned, mm-hmm. I'm always, I always appreciate a bad guy who isn't a bad guy to himself. You know what I mean? Who genuinely thinks he is doing the right thing and right. has good motivations. And mm-hmm. I always think that's more interesting. And when they do mm-hmm. finally have a good, because I assume Mr albino Klingon will eventually have a good face-off with Burnham and I think that'll be really interesting because they both kind of killed each other's mentors there getting ahead of myself true that was kind of setting up like a a nemesis recurring face-off sort of yeah dynamic and they both absolutely believed they were in the right and I I like that dynamic yeah that's very true and we're definitely uh, feeling a bit for Tukumva's side of things right off the bat. There definitely was one point where I was totally on his side. Oh, yeah? Okay. So I think they're fleshing out the, the opposing sides. Mm-hmm. They're doing a good job. But I don't know if I would have made the directorial and writing choices to have that first scene in, of the show be Klingons instead of Starfleet. Hmm. I don't know. I liked it because it showed, uh, I guess from an outsider's perspective to the whole Star Trek fandom, one of the things that I do know, this is actually mostly from working at a bookstore because we sold books about this, mm-hmm. um, was that the Klingon language is important to fans. So to open with a scene in that language, I thought was actually nice for fans. That's true. And I do, I really appreciate Uh, hearing the Klingon language and the subtitles don't bother me, but I have also definitely seen several things on Facebook and Twitter where people were really getting pissed off at the amount of reading they had to do. And I think they're going to alienate an entire subgroup of fans. Um, And also, like, I know that they're trying to get us to identify more with the Klingons, but then they are putting a, a language barrier between us that is going to make it harder for some fans to uh, feel connected to them. Mm. I don't... That's an interesting point of view, because I don't... I watch so many things with subtitles, I don't even notice them. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm on the same page like that too. But I, I did see some fans who were like, who weren't expecting it and were expecting them to do what they've done in Star Trek in the past, where they start off speaking Klingon, mm-hmm. but then sort of switch and you kind of hand wave the understanding that universal translators are going or whatever. Right. Um, and they, it's more important for the audience to understand what's being said. Um, and this one, they don't. And from what I've read online, they aren't going to do that switch at all. So there's going to be more subtitles in our future. Okay, I I see where people are coming from with that, especially since I know people who are harder of, he- of seeing. I was going to say hearing, geez. Harder of seeing, and they don't like subtitles. But for me personally, they don't bother me at all, and I actually like it that way, so. Yeah, and I'm a huge, like, language and, like, linguistic history and how culture and language are tied together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of my personal joys, so... I find it personally fascinating to hear it and and see it spoken, but uh, you know, not every fan's gonna feel that way. Yeah, I guess it's a like it might bring some people in, but it might alienate some people. So I guess it's a risk that they're taking. The whole show kind of seems like a bit of a a risk that they're taking. Absolutely, yeah. But they said from the outset that they were going to do something different with Star Trek. So I guess we shall see. We shall. And I still hate how the Klingons look. Still really not a fan of the visual aesthetic. But I don't mind it at do all. Feel? I don't, no? I don't mind it all. No, I think they look... Okay. I don't know. I'm Again, I'm not... I wasn't invested in anything beforehand, mm. so... I'm a fan of aliens. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, things looking alien. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so do we want to, with just the random questions that I popped on there, do we just want to go through them one by one, or do we want to put them in a sort of order? Um, whatever, we can see what comes up. Okay. I mean, the next one on here is, like, jumping yeah. to the, the major spoiler sort of thing, is do we agree with Burnham's mutinous actions I don't I think th- I thought that was really dumb I also don't agree with them and I have several uh, issues with them like and, and this ties in about in a bit about like Sarek and Michael's relationship mm-hmm. um, because I feel like this is like Vulcan uh, adolescent hostility towards a parent figure. Hmm. Like she even starts out when she calls him for advice. Mm-hmm. She starts out with an emotional greeting. And I'm like, you were raised by Vulcans. Like you knew what his response to that was going to be. Okay. And then like he gives her this advice that is totally couched in all these warnings like this worked for us i'm not telling you it's gonna work for you and then she goes and does it anyways and i was really shocked that she would make that decision yeah i i i feel like they did try to write it so that it was genuinely just her being worried 
and not really knowing what to do. And like later on, she says she honestly doesn't know if it was out of concern or if it was like logic concern or an emotional mm-hmm. response. And maybe mm-hmm. she did have those two parts of herself kind of messing everything up. But it still just felt it felt like something somebody who like it was their first year on the ship might do. Right. But we definitely know she's been there for seven years and was, you know, they were considering giving her her own command. and Yeah. And then she doesn't try and, like, discuss options with the captain. Yeah. She's just decided. And I'm like, that doesn't really mesh with... Well, it doesn't really mesh with how, like, Next Generation and going forward did things. Because there was a very much, like, a senior crew um, conference aspect to a lot of their problem solving. Right. Which I don't recall if that was in the original series or if it was much more a top-down sort of hierarchical, I decide what happens and we do it, feel to it. Um, but yeah, but I thought that Burnham was entirely fear-based. I thought that fear was a good running theme for this episode, like e- Going back to the Klingons, Dukumva is acting out of, like, xenophobic fear. Um, He does not want his culture to change. He does not want to become more like the Federation. He wants to hold on to the past and the old ways. And then Burnham is reacting out of fear. She's actually, like, having, like, post-traumatic flashbacks to her... Uh, to the incident at the school where it was bombed by the Klingons. Mm -hmm. And then her entire, like, ability to think through things and all of her decision-making and even some of the... her point-of-view scenes, I feel like she's almost not being a reliable narrator because very early on when she's exploring the unknown object... She hits her head. Yeah, she does. She has, yeah. she has radiation poisoning. And like, yeah, she goes to sickbay, but from there on in, she's having flashbacks, she's having memories, even when she has the flashback in, in the med bay, and they ask her what she's dreaming about, she says Klingons, which were was not the focal point of her recollection there. And so like right from that point on, I'm like, is she even reliably uh, seeing the events as they're happening? Or is this all through this shell-shocked fear response stemming from her childhood trauma that's been reawakened by this new trauma? Hmm. Interesting. I didn't think of the unreliable narrator. I will say I kind of agreed with Duchovna's reasoning, like not wanting to be assimilated. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like not wanting to be assimilated is a another strong theme that Star Trek does explore in other things. Um, you know, not wanting to lose their culture. True. So Infinite diversity. Yeah. Infinite combinations. I kind of felt where he was coming from there until he started being like a religious fanatic. Then I was like, oh, well, no. Yeah. See, so, yeah, and I'm going to have more to talk about Burnham like at the very end. Okay as well, about the reliable narrator. The thing that I really liked about Burnham's mutinous actions, not the actions themselves, but Mm -hmm. I like where it's sort of leaving the show 
to go from with her being basically a prisoner and I know she does eventually get put on a ship but when she does she will be like starting at the bottom you know what I mean? The redemption story. Yeah, the redemption story but also just like seeing Starfleet from that point of view from from Mm. the bottom of the ladder you know and not Mm. from the captain or his his chosen few you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, it is a very interesting choice as well. And I knew that they were going to be focusing more on the crew level. And I was thinking about this as well when I was thinking about the narrative choices they were making. Mm-hmm. And because one of the, it felt really different for me. And I realized that one of the reasons for that is that focusing on the crew level, you like, okay, focusing on the other level the other way, the other shows had a broad view and you had the big themes of the Federation, Mm -hmm. which gave it that really optimistic feel. Um, Everything was always kind of resolved at the end because of the episodic nature of the series. Mm -hmm. And it really meshed well with Gene Roddenberry's vision. I think they're going to have a challenge coming from the crew level. It's going to really take a lot of building time until we can see the whole season as a whole to see that same theme there because we're going to be looking at those crew narratives and those crew perspectives which again i personally find more interesting but i understand Mm -hmm. if if star trek uh purists don't like that because it's not what they it's not what gene roddenberry's vision was as you say Yes. And I think they can still do Gene Roddenberry's vision, but I think you're just not going to get it like tied up neatly in a bow at each episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that uh, for this series. This series is a new media for Star Trek. So even though it's, it's TV, streaming TV is different than cable. There are different business considerations there are different narrative considerations. There are different audience expectations. And I think that this meshes well with that. Um, and so I think I think it'll turn out okay. I, I'm optimistic about it. Okay. Um, so what, do the countries that have it on Netflix, do they get the whole thing? I think that it's releasing week by week. It is? Okay. Because I would have heard. There would have been spoilers everywhere. Okay. Yeah. I was about to hate them. Yeah. By which I mean install a VPN and watch it anyway. Um, Yeah, but like I know a few shows that release this way on streaming, but it's still narratively built differently because a lot of your viewers come in after the fact and binge hours at a time. Yeah. And so they're trying to write partly for that segment and then partly for the audience that's going to see it one segment at a time. See, if we weren't doing this show, I would definitely be a binge person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will be. Yeah. That's how I would prefer to do it. Mm-hmm. Now let's switch focus a little bit. And talk with my next question. Well, I was going to say to talk more generally about how we feel the crew dynamics are, like the chemistry on screen between people. 
All right. That's that's a little bit more generic than what I said. So I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. As you can tell, I personally really liked the chemistry between Burnham and Saru. Saru? I don't remember how they pronounced it. Now I can't remember either. Sorry. But that's okay. So, dear listeners, here you're going to find out the difference, one of the differences between Kate and Jen, in that Kate is a shipper. Not, because not I watched it and I was like... You don't have to say it like that. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Okay, uh-huh. Kate is a fan of shipping, and I am a fan of ships. Oh. Because I was way more like, ooh, the ship designs in the battle are so pretty. Oh. <laughs> and I don't think Kate... <laughs> that is... I still just generally thought you meant relationships. <laughs> but, like, we're coming at it from a different point of view. <laughs> I can guarantee you I did not notice the actual ship at all. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but I also was like, generally the chemistry, I was like, I can feel the that... It feels like they've been working together a long time, right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. And then Kate was like, when can they make out? <laughs> and I totally hadn't seen it that way at all. Are you kidding me? They just argue, but then they still appreciate each other, and they work together, but then they argue, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. See, I was just like, yeah, they've been working together a long time on the crew. They're they basically can- an old married couple. Thank you very much. Um, but watching some of the scenes again, I can see where there can be that interpretation. However, they, they're going to have to figure out... Uh, I don't think Burnham's going to be very happy with Saru for, you know, beaming her out right before she rescued the body of her mentor. Yeah, I but... I think they're going to have words. Sure, but, like, she betrayed everyone, so... I mean, they both did some shit. Yeah, I think they've got some conflict that's gonna have to be resolved. It's fine. It's never good if they get together right away, so... Well, that's true. And generally, I thought the acting was pretty good. I did think some of the acting was, um... Like, sometimes I thought the writing... Was a little bit like, well, I guess they did the best they could with that line. <laughs> okay. There was really only two parts that stood out as subpar for me. Mm-hmm. And one you didn't write down in your show notes, but watching it again, I have to bring up the... Uh, there's the one officer on the bridge who gets a head wound, and then he wanders down to the brig. Oh, yeah. he's lost and yeah. he's concussed. And, like, his lines against Burnham, I was like, hmm, okay. And But then he gets sucked out into space, and I'm like, well, we don't have to deal with that anymore. So, it's okay. Mine was, um, I cannot for the life of me remember what her character's name was. Um, but a lot of Michelle Yeo's lines, they just were like, we wrote this line so that she could teach something here, you know? And we wrote this line so that she could be the mentor instead of just having a conversation with, you know, with people. Mm. Like, Michelle Yeoh was a great actress, but I did feel like some of her lines were very stiff, and I don't think that was her fault at all. Was it the flashback sequences? No, actually, I liked those ones. It was some of the ones where they were walking on the desert. 
that's uh, a lot of that was um it just felt very stiff to me like maybe that was a scene that they filmed early on and they just hadn't worked out their dynamic yet hmm. you know what i mean um hmm. but i don't know there were sometimes when she was talking and even Burnham in that one too, she felt very much like I am the genius student. Like they just felt like caricatures in that scene. Okay. Hmm. That scene is an outlier. Yeah, that's because it doesn't really like it's this one little mission right up front, just because they had to be doing something. Yeah. And again, I do think that was more because of the writing and not due to the talent of the actors. Because you, right. you can have the talented, uh, I was going to say talentedest, that's not a word, most talented actor in the world. And if you give them crap writing, there's nothing they can do with that. True. And uh, that scene in particular, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, was it just stuck in there because they wanted to do like a cool location shoot? Yeah, it felt very out of place. The, the actual, like, what the dialogue accomplished uh, felt like it could have happened, like, on the ship. Yeah. You know, like, they could have had a meeting. Yeah. Right? Like, the fact that it was incidental to that mission, I don't know if maybe that planet and what they did there is going to come up as significant in any way. I kind of hope it does, because they, like, had the aliens see them when nobody was supposed to see them, and... Mm-hmm. all these things so I kind of hope it comes up again but okay. I shrug yes yeah. any I did like other than that scene I did like the relationship between Burnham and Captain, Captain. Ge- Georgiou see that's what I was thinking but I was honestly unsure if that was just some noises I was making okay um, I, I've yeah, never I... seen it written down I'm gonna look up her name one second carry on Okay. I I really liked Burnham's interactions with pretty much everyone on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her scenes with Saru, her scenes with the captain, um, even some of her other scenes with the crew members. I thought her with Sarek uh, had a slightly different dynamic, still good chemistry on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, it almost felt like there was a Vulcan hostility back and forth there and I dislike the device that they're using with like the Katra implantation so that she and Sarek can have like long distance pen pal communications even though she's going to be in prison because I have this hunch that it's going to come up again like that and it's going to drive me nuts every time they use it yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I I liked, um, just in regards to something we talked about last week, I did like the relationship between her and Sark, now that we've actually seen it and not what they cut together for the trailer, which made it look a lot, a lot more hostile than it was. He did seem to have some genuine affection for her. Mm-hmm. So I liked that. That's true. And I liked that they showed us that, that you know, that we know that she didn't grow up in this barren of emotion situation. That is true. The depiction in the trailer did make it seem like he was almost like openly disdainful and scornful of her mm-hmm. as a child. And it didn't come across that way in the actual show. 
seeing this name written down is not going to help me at all. Just FYI, I apologize forever for messing it up. <laughs> yes, we apologize for the mispronunciation of any and all names. Just here on in. And my general forgetting of names of everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. That's just a Caitlin thing. I'm bad with names. So I do not think we're going to see any Spock cameos. See, now I don't want to, but I feel like why wouldn't they for fan reasons? Like, I think it will be cheap and stupid if they do, um, but I also think why wouldn't they? Well, thinking back to Sarek in the original series, I don't think he and Spock had the greatest relationship there either. Hmm. Uh, I really think it's only in the next generation where they have Spock and Sarek come in for the unification story arc, and maybe in some of the movies where he and Spock have resolved their differences. So I think it's entirely feasible... And and that's why I didn't have any problem with the whole, like, why didn't Spock ever mention that he had this half-sister kind of thing, or this, you know, whatever she would be. Mm-hmm. And uh, remembering, I was like, well, I don't think he and his dad had the best relationship. Given Vulcan lifespans, Spock is way older than her. And he wouldn't have been cohabitating with the family at the same time as that anyways. Oh, so we think this is after Spock has left. I think that Spock is probably often training somewhere, and the amount of time she actually spent with Sarek's family in Vulcan terms, because they live, you know, over a hundred years, mm-hmm. was like a enti- very short snippet. Okay. So that's my headcanon. That's why I'm like, yeah, okay, of course he wouldn't mention it. My dad fostered a kid sometime. Why would he bring that up? When is that plot relevant in Star Trek? I was thinking in my head that this was pre-Spock existing. But I guess- well, it's ten years before he's on the Enterprise. Oh, okay, then obviously that is incorrect. And then, shall we get to some of the end points? Uh, yes. Yes, we shall. So, okay, something that occurred to me... I don't. Did you want to go on a specific... Did you want to do something specific because you brought up the end point? Sorry. No, I'm just working my way. <clears throat> I'm just working my way through the uh, list that we sort of had going. Okay, perfect. Um, so one of the things that occurred to me this morning: Do you think leaving Captain Georgiou's body behind is like? Do you think they're going to? Is, do you think that's going to come back somehow? Was she actually uh- dead? I have read things about the show that maybe are a little bit spoilery for future episodes. Okay, well, I don't want that. I want theories. You want theories. Then I will remain silent and hear your theory. Okay, well, I mean, they left her behind, obviously, for a reason. So I like the idea of her not being dead and we see her again, except she's been Klingon brainwashed and is evil now. Interesting. I was not expecting that theory. Uh, I just sort of thought leaving her behind was good torment for Burnham. But that is an interesting theory. We'll see where that goes. I mean, on the other hand, like, if they could save her, why wouldn't they save their actual messiah dude? 
that would make more sense than what I just said, but, you know. Yeah. I was not necessarily expecting her to die. I will say that. I knew from the beginning she was cast as a, a guest star. Mm. And so I thought she would be sort of like Whoopi Goldberg was the next generation. Right. And that she was, and I, then I knew she was on the the captain of the Shenzhou. Again, apologies on that pronunciation. Um, and that this was the discovery, right? So I was like, okay, so we'll see them once in a while when those ship's paths cross. See, I didn't know that at all. Like, I didn't realize we were going to be moving to another ship. Oh. <laughs> so I was very confused where all the cast was in this first episode. <laughs> yes. And the third episode I'm really looking forward to because I feel like that's the real intro yeah. to the show. Yeah. Like, uh, especially as we get to the end of the show where they ended it with her court-martial, mm-hmm. and then she's sentenced to life in prison, and then they end it, which is a very dark downbeat for a Star Trek show, mm-hmm. and I was like, what did they just do? This feels like the prequel to Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, it does. It does sort of feel like like a flashback, like the whole yes. two episodes were a flashback. Yes, that's exactly how it felt to me. And so then I've been trying to go back and forth in my head of like, do I like that? Generally, I don't like flashbacks and prequels. I think they're weak narrative choices. But I was like, well, in in Star Trek other series, when you have 22 to 24 episodes, mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing that you might work in partway through the season where you've got a character and then there's an inciting incident and they have flashbacks and tell this backstory. Yeah. But they don't have 24 episodes, so does that make it okay to put it up front like this? I don't know. I do feel like the overarching plot of the season, possibly if they go further, they might not even wrap it up this season, is going to be the the Klingons. Like this inciting incident with the Klingons. So I like that they did that and then we got to see that fully and know exactly where Burnham is coming from going forward. True. And for people who are not as fully versed into Star Trek, I can see where they would want to put in a bit of backstory because like having watched, you know, all the main franchises, I know that like in the Federation's history, there was a war and hostility with the Klingons. Yeah. They never explained the inciting incident or mention it or anything, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. But coming in new, if it might be confusing to have this in the background, and I don't know how much it's going to be like ship battles every episode, or how much it's just going to be this is in the background, sometimes they have to deal with it. Yeah, I guess we'll see. How did you feel about, about Burnham switching her gun to kill at the last second there? From Stone. I miss that. Because you see it go from blue to red just before she shoots to Kovna. Or whatever the stun color is. I totally missed that. I As her whole plan was to bring him back. And then she was like, nope. Which again makes me think is... I, it felt is very she a reliable narrator. Me. It felt very real. Yeah, it felt very much like you just killed this person who I greatly admired and fucked the plan. 
Right. Or is this the way she's remembering it out of trauma? And everything's gone to hell. And she's recasting it where she's done all these things to save her friends and family instead of made a massive error. So you think the unreliable narratorness is more overarching than just... Well, I didn't notice the part that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But the other part of the end that really bothered me mm-hmm. was the view we have of the Federation judges. Their faces are completely in shadow. They are this faceless entity which has just sentenced her to life in prison. And I'm like, is that how she's remembering it? Is there a cloud over her internal vision because she can't face up to the shame of what she's done? Or would the Federation actually stick three judges there with their faces obscured to the person they're talking to? Hmm. See, my... The only reason that I really don't personally get this sort of vibe that you're getting is because I didn't feel that sort of nuance in the writing. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, this sounds terrible, but it doesn't, it didn't feel that smart. I'm not 100% sold on it either, Kate. Okay. This is me trying to make sense of some of the decisions they made. Okay. And trying trying desperately to be like, well, what if it's just her point of view? Because we're doing this on the micro level. I gotcha. Like, if they are doing it that way, I will be I, I will very much like it. It just it didn't feel that smartly written to me. And it's... Not that that's it, bad. It felt sloppily directed as well in that case. Like, maybe they were trying to do two things at one, too many things at once. And none of them have fully come across. Because I didn't feel like the directing and the editing choices would fully support that sort of view either. And so I'm not sure, is it just like I'm desperately trying to grasp onto things that aren't really there? Or is it just this is a typical, slightly sloppy pilot episode of a show that hasn't yet, you know, come into itself? Right. (laughs) I guess we shall see about that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say. Oh, I was just gonna say as a point of interest, I suppose. Um, during their sort of fight on the Klingon ship, I literally thought I'm more of a fantasy person than a um, a sci-fi person usually. And I mm-hmm. literally thought to myself, this would be so much better if they had magic. <laughs> were I don't know why. Even like the sci-fi that I do like, there's usually like sci-fi magic powers. I'm like. Come on, can't you just fling people around with your mind? That'd be so much better. Okay. Anyways, that's me. Yep. Yeah, I really liked the... I want to go back and rewatch the fight at the end because it was at the end of a late night and I don't feel like I really appreciated Michelle Yao's uh, fighting. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, I'm going to miss her. I'm, You know, like I was just saying last weekend, I strongly suspected that they were going to kill her, but I thought it was going to happen at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to happen right away, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I assume she'll still be in flashbacks and things like that, but right. I wanted, I wanted more Michelle Yeo. Is it Yao? Or is it Yao? I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard it spoken. At least not I'm from not yours. Sure <sighs> I'm terrible. Anyways, I'm sad now. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to next week. 
Me too. I, I will say on the good side of things, they killed her for a woman's character development and not a man's character development. So that's better than usual. That is true. She was still kind of fridged, but whatever. <laughs> the other criticism I've seen of the show so far as well is the fact that despite having these two women in command, they both have people that they take orders from who are men. To be fair, they killed the one of them. Well, that's true. And yay! Yeah, he was an <laughs> that was the other. Fuck. Sorry, that was the let's other actor. Jeez. I really didn't like him. I was Ooh. like, he's not acting like an admiral. He's he's the worst admirally admiral I've seen I like he ever. Just, he just came in to shoot them down. Like, that was there's, his role. There have been a few real asshole admirals in Star Trek. Um, the names of them all are rushing right out of my head. But there was one blonde woman. You'll probably recognize her. Um, okay. Admiral... If she's not played by Patrick Stewart, I'm probably not going to recognize her. Anyways, but there was a couple, and and they played themselves... They played very brusque and authoritative, and you hated them, but you loved to hate them because the acting there was still convincing. This guy was just an asshole who came in. A jerk who came in, in case you want to edit that to... Uh, I've been swearing way more than you. Don't worry. Okay. I think okay. we should just agree that swearing's okay because I okay. can't stop myself sometimes. Sure, sure. The show's going to apparently have some swearing in it as well. Not like a lot. Not like every other word. But you know, when we get emotional about asshole admirals, we're going to have to discuss that with the proper language. Yes, true. And okay so now let's go back to our very beginning statements kate because i want to know mm. what yours oh meant that they were going to kill michelle Yeo. okay okay i'm very upset about it and i love her and mm. i want to see her in more things most definitely isn't she doing another tv show or wasn't she just doing another TV show? Should be fair, when I say I want to see her in more things, what I mean is I want to see her in the things I already watch because I don't want to watch new things. Okay. <laughs> fair. So, I'm very particular. Okay. True. I, If I want to see someone, basically you have to write them into the Star Trek show for me. <laughs> this is I all mean, the time I've got. I would 100% love to see Michelle Yeoh on Game of Thrones. That would be fabulous. Oh my god, that'd be great. But anyways, I digress. Carry on. She would probably die there too, you know. <laughs> but they've only got one season left, so I figure everybody's living or dying at this point. <laughs> okay. And then mine was just... I'm, I'm still not sure if this is how I feel about this. If this different is bold and a breath of fresh air for the Star Trek franchise, mm -hmm. or if it's going to pan out as uh, a sloppy series of missteps. Okay, so I have two things to say about that. One, I want to ask you, if this weren't Star Trek, if it had nothing to do with Star Trek, would you have liked this uh, premiere thingy? Mm. Yes. 
I know, I mean, I know it's hard to take it all, like, it's hard to yeah. objectively approach that question. It was generally fairly enjoyable. There was a few, like I said, narrative parts where I was, like, you know, using the flashbacks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, different things like that. Burnham jumped to some wild assumptions about what the Klingons were going to do, and nobody questioned her on that. Yeah. Um, and so there's a few things like that. But for a first show, I would sit down and give it another chance, regardless of whether it was Star Trek. Okay. And so my thing is, I a lot of this felt, I don't know if you ever watched the show, but a lot of it felt kind of firefly to me. Like the two-hour premiere that was kind of like a starting point to see where the show went and the the previews that you see it does sort of seem like it's because it's going to be more about the crew it's going to be a little more ragtag i suppose mm-hmm. which does it feels a lot like firefly to me in a way hmm. and which is a show that i did enjoy i do think it's see that's also problematic because in the vision of the future of Gene Roddenberry. Everything is perfect. It's not everything is perfect. Well, it's the essential goodness of, I want to say humanity, but, you know, aliens. It's the, the essential strive towards betterment. And the vision of the universe in Firefly is, you know, the essential strive against authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a very different and vibe is, there. And that sort of vibe is what I was getting from Tekovna, of him mm-hmm. wanting to not be assimilated into what he was seeing as this authoritative body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's... Yeah. It, I think it's an interesting point of view that they're working yes. with here. It is. It is. So... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how it goes. I really think that with streaming media, you kind of have to see things as a whole. Like, it's it's sort of written and framed for the arc of the number of shows they have. Mm-hmm. They're, they're planning on there being um, that continuing story through it. So I And I hate judging things before I see how the ending is, because I think the ending is so important to put everything into perspective. So... I will probably not have an answer on whether I like it or not until the very end of season one. Okay. And just so people know, there's like a lot more I could have talked about for these episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was like just the tip of the iceberg. But I also want to keep this sort of uh, manageable. Yeah. Anything else? Last thoughts? Or should we move into our wrap up? I think we can move into our wrap-up. Are we going to recommend anything this week? I am. I have a recommendation. Um, This week, I'm recommending that everybody out there dye their hair a color that human hair does not naturally grow. I can second this recommendation wholeheartedly. Yes. I think both of us have not naturally colored hair. I I refer to it as unicorn hair. And mine's kind of faded out, and I'm going to be going at the end of October to refresh my unicorn colors. Nice. See, if I refresh mine, it's going to cost me a lot of money, so I try to go as long as possible. Because mine has seven colors in it. Yes. And is a little bit, it's a little bit galaxy hair. It's a little bit, it's a little bit unicorn hair. It's a little bit crazy. 
And this is just reminding me of how I want to do an entire thing about hair in Star Trek. But anyways, oh, that'll be interesting. I, I will say I'm recommending it specifically because a lot of people compliment my hair and then say they could never do that. And I'm like, hair is the easiest. Like if you do it and you don't like it, you can dive right over it. Or yes. it will eventually grow out. It's not like yes. getting a tattoo, which is A, painful, and B, you have forever. Dyeing your hair, if you even think to yourself, I kind of want to do that, just do it. Uh, I can make a recommendation springboarding right off of that. Okay. Uh, because it's a thing I recently discovered through following cosplayers, that if you are like me and you can never decide on either a spot on your body you want permanently marked and or what you would want permanently emblazoned upon your skin, there is a temporary tattoo printable paper for your printer. So you could pick whatever design you want, print it off, and then wear a tattoo for a couple days. Just for fun. Interesting. Yeah. And and cosplayers love it because for some of the different, you know, crazy video game characters, they mm-hmm. have like intricate designs, right? Yeah. So their choice is like paint that on or, you know, scale the image to the right thing, you know, print it and then put it on and there's their cosplay for the day with the rest of their outfit. That's interesting. See, I don't... I, to be fair about what I was saying earlier with the hair, like, tattoos also, I saw mine and, like, a month later had it. Didn't even think about it that much. So. And, like, I only waited a month because that's when my tattoo artist was available. I'd have done it the next day. Yeah. That's um, me. That's you. Anyways. You don't have any tattoos, do you? No, no. Because okay. again, I can't decide where on my body or what on my body I would like forever. I can understand that that is being like a big, a big thing. I tend to get like passionate about something, and then when I get to that fevered pitch where you'd like run out and get a tattoo, then all of a sudden I, I, like flip on it, and then I'm like, nope. See, my problem is I have a thousand ideas a minute about tattoos I'd like, and then suddenly I'm head to toe covered, and I'm like, well, I don't want that. So, anyway, that's a, yes, moving on. Um, to our listeners, if you have any questions about any of the things we have talked about today, or you want to ask our specific take on something, maybe you saw something in the episodes that you want to hear our thoughts on, or you need clarification because we've been really, you know, unclear and confusing to you, please feel free to send us an email. At our email address is a command of her own at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us. We are at command of her own on Twitter, and we would love to hear some of your thoughts on what we've said. And just a big thank you to everyone who who has followed us and chatted with us on Twitter and everybody who listened to our first episode and said they liked it. It was it was great to hear. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. We've I've been delighted this week just seeing everybody interacting on Twitter and liking and sharing and yeah, thank you. If you'd like to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to do that as we've heard it's a really good way for new listeners to find podcasts. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.